The Non-Profit Comeback Podcast with Garrett Housel. We're eager to kick off the Nonprofit Comeback Summit in a wonderful fashion, starting off with our first speaker, Jeremy Turner. I want to tell you a little bit about Jeremy before we get started and into this conversation about this topic. So first of all, Jeremy is an awesome guy. I've had the pleasure of meeting him and talking to him multiple times. And, uh, you know, he's got a lot of experience in the nonprofit realm. He runs a podcast called Your Epic Mission, and he runs a company called Epic Mission. And, you know, the goal of that is to help restore thriving, resilient, and hope-filled communities. And they do that by engaging and encouraging and empowering entrepreneurs. But, you know, a lot of the work that he's done with that and in his past as a professor, an adjunct, an adjunct professor uh, at the Marshall Lewis College of Business, um, he's done some really incredible things and he works with nonprofits and he knows exactly how to help them in these times. So what we're going to be talking about today is board engagement and strategic planning during times of extreme uncertainty. Jeremy, how are you today? Man, Garrett, I'm doing really well and I appreciate the warm welcome. It's great to see you again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. So, you know, I just wanted to take the first few minutes to kind of get to know you and your story. And and while I did a little bit of an intro for you, I'm sure I missed a few things. So tell us a little bit about yourself and and why we should trust exactly what you're saying when it comes to nonprofits and board engagement, because I know why, but not everyone else does. So if you tell that for us for just a few moments and then uh, we'll get into the discussion. Yeah, sure. So I, I appreciate that um, as, a, as a way to get started. Uh, so many times we hear people with uh, opinions on things and, and they're uh, sharing advice. And I think it's important to consider the source and whether it's someone that you actually can uh, can trust or not. So um, I've been doing this a while, um, you know, this this consulting thing. And prior to consulting, I, I worked in nonprofit and I worked in small business. So I've, over the years, I've worked in um, very large organizations, uh, international, uh, for-profit, non-profit organizations. And I've done a lot in the startup world as well, from starting for-profits and non-profit uh, organizations, uh, both in the secular and the Christian space. And one of the things that I, that I noted through time is that it really didn't feel like, especially for the uh, maybe the, the smaller, the, the grassroots, the, the underdog-type organization, where someone has this really burning passion to go forward and, and, and be the change they wish to see in the world, it didn't seem like there was really a ton of great, uh, a holistic, affordable help where um, solutions were prescriptive. They weren't just an, an off-the-shelf type, here you go, and, and here's one for your friend and pass one down, the same sort of solution for everybody. And that really frustrated me. And so um, my nature is to do things. And a long time ago, a mentor of mine shared that, uh, you know, part of the leader's creed is, is if not now, then who? And if not, uh, or if not now, then when? And if not me, then who? Right. And so as in my attempt to be a, a strong leader in the world, um, I said, OK, well, now and, and me, I guess, let's, let's get started. And so Epic Mission was really launched to come alongside, uh, especially these, these uh, really purposeful, impact-driven um, uh, folks who launch organizations where they, they feel a call or 
the strong urging to go forward and do something remarkable, uh, but they need help. Maybe they don't have a ton of resources. They don't, they don't have uh, four or $8 million plus a year annual budgets, but they, they know that they need to go do this thing, whatever this thing is. And at some point they realize they need help. And so Epic Mission was really formed to come alongside these folks and help them in a, in a holistic manner and provide them uh, deep insights and actionable um, uh, guidance so that they can go forward and improve on what they're doing. So right. that's a little bit about that. So that's really a, a huge passion of mine. And hopefully yeah. uh, you can feel that. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I definitely see it. So, um, you know, th- this whole conversation is going to be about um, how we can engage in, and really plan for um and during these extreme, these times of extreme uncertainty, right? So, you know, obviously right now we're in a, a, a situation that has extreme uncertainty surrounding it at, at every corner, really, right? But, you know, outside of the COVID pandemic, what are some areas that we could classify as extreme uncertainty so that we have some sort of context about where this information is really, really applicable and, and implementable, right? Mm. Good. Yeah. So obviously, yeah, the, the current global pandemic is, is, is the most pertinent example of what is extreme uncertainty. But really, uncertainty lives all around us every day. Uh, I think that we just get comfortable and sort of insulate ourselves from this. So part of what I do in my, in my life is I teach entrepreneurship and I work with entrepreneurs. And with entrepreneurship, we discuss uncertainty as, as the norm, getting very comfortable being uncomfortable. In the nonprofit space, we don't really talk in these same terms often. Um, and so we don't, I don't think we oftentimes really embrace some of these same mindsets from the world of entrepreneurship. And I believe that we need to. Uncertainty is all around us all the time. And it, uh, these levels of extreme uncertainty peak when major variables around us change. It could be uh, an economic change, you know, the uh, housing bubble or the dot-com bust, or uh, maybe within your current organization, maybe you have a mass exodus where uh, board members leave, or you have a number of, of uh, critical team employee, uh, current team uh, members who leave. You have some strategic partnerships that fall apart. And all of a sudden, life as you knew it uh, isn't like that any longer. And so now you've got this extreme uncertainty laying in your lap where you're really trying to determine, can we survive or not? And if so, what does that look like? Because many of the variables that we count on every day have changed. So what do we do now? Mm-hmm. So in uncertainty uh, and change, change is the only constant in the universe uh, and change is all around us every day. It's just whether uh, that change occurs in peaks and valleys around us based on uh, a number of key variables. So, so here's what I'm understanding and correct me if I'm wrong. What you're saying is that the, the factor of changing variables within an organization is a problem not just not because it's changed, but because those in the organization aren't looking at it from a business perspective, but more from their mission perspective, which is why they started it. And so because they haven't really acclimated to business uh, standards within their organization, then that extreme uncertainty is suddenly a lot more of a challenge than it would have been if you're coming at this mission from a business perspective instead of just from the mission. Is that what I'm getting? Yes. Uh, I, well, kind of. It's not, I think, so much as uh, a business perspective because many, many businesses out there uh, don't see, don't really plan for uncertainty either. Mm-hmm. It's more this this entrepreneurial mindset 
which can be applied to for-profit or non-profit alike, because it's really about um, embracing change and seeing opportunities uh, where others may, may see problems. So um, it, there's also a level, I think, of comfort. Um, you know, we get comfortable in our missions um, yeah. we, we sort of get desensitized to many of the things around us and it's, mm-hmm. it's business as usual, again, whether it's for-profit or non-profit. So I think it's more of a matter of, of the mindset of uh, planning for change and expecting change mm-hmm. rather than um, just plodding along and doing your thing, regardless of what that is, uh, and, and being terribly surprised when, when change occurs, when something happens sure. around you, right? Sure. So then would you have any advice for someone who's in a situation like this where there's change happening or there's about to be a lot of change happening? What are some kind of strategic planning tips that you would have for someone in in a situation like this? Well, you know, especially in the nonprofit space, you know, where you have uh, built in support mechanisms within the organization, um, you know, you've got it, you've got the board. Um, So you've got the board, you've got core team members. Uh, you may have a strong volunteer guild. Uh, you could have great strategic partners outside. So within the organization, I would say really beginning to embrace uh, and, and collaborate more deeply with the board, yeah. um, which, you know, it's one of the one of the topics for today. Um, too often I see organizations where um, the board and the daily operations team, the, the director, CEO, um, whomever else, there's almost like a tug of war going on. Right. Um, struggle for control rather than uh, the understanding that one of the things I teach is that uh, nonprofit organizations are like a child that we co-raise with a group of people. Mm-hmm. And so for anyone who has children, you've got different people who will come and go in your child's life. And it takes all of them to really uh, raise the child well, but understanding what are those roles and when are these people coming and going? So mm-hmm. a board has a very defined role within the life of an organization as do the uh, daily operational members, executive director and whomever else. And so um, I would say, you know, getting back to full board engagement or maintaining board engagement and embracing uh, the roles of the board and the daily operations team to take a really hard look at where are you now? You know, so strategic planning is is kind of a buzzword. Um, and so let's see if we can demystify that just a tad and, and um, you know, get super simple. Yeah. In a nutshell, planning is around uh, casting a vision for where you want to go, taking stock in where you are now, noting the differences between those two paradigms, and then planning your steps or ordering your steps to go from here to there. And so this planning is, is best when you take a, a really hard look and critical look at uh, where you are now. Um, you inventory your available resources from a human, physical, financial, technological, and intellectual standpoint. Uh, make note of how you might leverage these resources towards moving your organization forward in a step-by-step fashion, yeah. um, and preferably with some hard goals, uh, whether it's a, a smart format, uh, we've got hard edges on goals, and strong metrics to know whether you're actually on pace or not. Yeah. All the time with that understanding that you need to be nimble and be able to adjust as variables change, because the only guarantee is that plans and life will never match. And so if you move forward in a very defined fashion saying, here's our plan and here's how it's going to go. And then something happens, you can get caught flat footed and, um, you know, your whole plan goes on the toilet. 
So know, that, that um, brings up yeah. a really important question, in my opinion, right? So we're talking about strategic planning and the importance of strategic planning, how it's necessary to be able to cast this vision and take steps towards that. But at the same time, you're talking about brand uh, that, that this board engagement, right? What is the relationship between board engagement and the strategic planning? What role do they play in that, that planning process? Do they play mm -hmm. a role? And, and if so, like how, how close to the whole do they need to be on that? Yeah, so I think that's a great is a great point. So thank you for bringing that up. The board does have a very defined role in the organization, and they should be involved in uh, in strategic planning. So the board is not is, is more about well. So there are different uh, stages of development for boards depending on the organization. Whether you have a founding board um, that's made up of friends, family, funders, and founders, uh, they're usually bought uh, bought into the, the the passion of the founder um then you've got more of a working board who these are active doers of things and they're they're helping to uh supplement the the often lack of of daily operational uh, team members and then you've got more of the governance board which is that's the board that most people think of when they think of, of boards of directors or uh, for nonprofits, and they're there to provide oversight and ensure that organizations maintain their uh, legal and, and financial um, uh, means there that they're not crossing any boundaries. So the board should be involved because they have a, a very uh, um, important role in the organization and they have a, a, a different perspective being that they're not necessarily involved and they should not necessarily be involved in, in the daily operations, the doings of things every day, yeah. um, maintaining that, that step back perspective, uh, they can still add great insights into how the organization uh, should be planning uh, and can help add that uh, add those insights that are needed when planning is occurring sure sure and you know i think all of this everything that you just said which is wonderful is kind of contingent on the board actually being engaged and actually being involved mm -hmm. in the process right so can you tell us anything about how we can stimulate board engagement because that may not always be an easy task to accomplish right some board <laughs> members may just kind of be off in their own world how can we get them to come back and focus in on the mission that we're trying to achieve yeah, I think that's great. So uh, there's a couple pieces I want to I hit on here. One is, is how do you even know if your board is disengaged to begin with? Um, you know, so if they're, if they're disengaged, then you know you've got something that, that needs fixed. And I found that there's really a couple of different um, answers to how do you know if they're disengaged? And one is just the smell test. Do they feel disengaged? Are they um, not responding? Or are their responses uh, adversarial? Are, are people missing meetings? Are they not preparing for meetings? Are they not uh, maintaining what the basic responsibilities that have been laid out for them? So, you know, that's just the smell test. Does it feel right or not? And then you have uh, some assessments that you can offer, either a board self-assessment where you're relying on the board members themselves to answer very honestly, or that you can have uh, a facilitated assessment where a consultant may come in and help facilitate an assessment process to help determine whether the board is uh, engaged or, or not. Mm. Um, you know, from there, I think it's important to understand there's different types of engagement, different levels of engagement. Right. Um, you have this first level is this uh, emotional engagement where it's, it's passion driven. You got people that say, I will run through a wall for this thing or this person or this cause. 
Um, and so they're, they're very emotionally charged and they're in it. Then you may have this, this professional engagement where people are deploying their skills and, and abilities towards, um, the, towards the cause. And then you've got the, the collision of those two things. We've got emotion and the skill set being deployed at the same time. And that's really the behavioral engagement, uh, which is, I think, what we, what we would seek to, to have, where someone is emotionally engaged and they're deploying their, their skills and, and abilities uh, towards the cause. So when it comes to um, really how do, how do you get, how do you either get people reengaged or start with engaged board members? Um, so if someone is, is disengaged, I think it's finding out why, what's going on and understanding that we're dealing with real life human beings who, again, if we're talking about times of extreme uncertainty, many times these are, these are business owners or business professionals or they're nonprofit leaders. They, they have lives, they have families, they have stuff going on for themselves. I think it, we have to maintain that this human capacity to understand what's going on in the lives of others and deploy empathy. And, and, see, and just have some really open, honest conversations with the people and find out what's going on. Um, yeah. Maybe they're just having a bad time, right? right. Maybe they're burnt out. Um, maybe they didn't really, they don't feel like the expectations that were laid out in the beginning are what's being expected of them now. So there's some sort of a bait and switch. Sure. Or maybe they just, they just weren't a good selection to begin with. Or maybe the, I talked earlier about phases of development with board. Maybe they were a great founding member, but now you need someone who's more of a doer to yeah. this working board and they just don't fit any longer. So allowing people to you know, sort of bless and release um, as needs change. Right. But with, as far as getting people re-engaged, uh, I think this starts with a, with a one-on-one with having some really that deep, honest, open conversation and find out what's going on. Right. I found that many times people hang on because they, they feel the weight of expectation. Mm. They feel like people expect them to be here and they don't want to let others down but maybe things have changed and it's time for them to go. And that's okay. Uh, that's part of the process of having board members come and go. Uh, and that's, that should be part of the planning process. Right. But you know, really talking and listening with empathy uh, with the individuals to find out what's going on and seeing maybe what are their passions and their skills and their interests and, and what are their disinterests? Maybe they're a great board member, uh, but they're just out of alignment. You've got them doing the wrong things. And that happens all the time. Maybe they have valid concerns and they've had them for some time and they feel like they've just never been addressed. Right. Uh, there, these, these, uh, concerns the of theirs have been communication. Exactly. Yes. Get that, get that started, you know, with the agreement that, okay, so let's, let's forgive the sins of the past. We've all made mistakes. How do we move forward? Let's talk about solutions rather than blame. And so addressing those valid concerns, digging deeper um, as needed. And sometimes you may need to develop an action plan. It's not something that can be solved today because it wasn't created in one day. Right. But letting the other person know that I, I hear your concern. It's a valid concern. Now let's put a plan together to alleviate that concern and, and put it to rest forever. Right. Yeah. So it could be creating a, an action plan with, with some sort of development calendar. Maybe this individual needs personal and professional development as part of their role within the board. Uh, so creating a, a development plan in, in that regard and, and putting that in place and getting that started. Right. Um, you know, resetting role expectations. Again, maybe the organization's changed. Perhaps this is someone who's been around for a while. 
and things have changed, but no one's really talked change with them. They haven't reset expectations or reaffirmed that the person is still willing to abide by those expectations. Right. So either resetting expectations or setting new expectations by pressing the, pressing the reset button and, and starting anew. Yeah. Um, I, I think right. it's really relevant right now, um, you know, especially because of COVID, obviously, but it, in mm. any situation, just as time progresses, things change, people change, society changes, even the way that business and organizations are run change. And so it, it's important to be flexible and agile in, in a way that allows you to continue to stay current. Um, even if you want to hold to certain values or your mission, that's that's what's important. However, you shouldn't be running this organization the same way for 40 years because eventually it's going to become outdated, right? And I think that that's a really important area where this kind of opening the lines of communication or having these kind of frank conversations is really important, you know? Um, but I love what you said about like setting expectations. And I think that that comes in very early in the development of an organization and, and board engagement is like, first of all, you have to have good members to start with. You've got to have good people on the board to start with, and you can't just take what you can get in a sense. You need to be selective about, are they really a part of my mission? Do they see this vision? Are they trying to do good and, and assist me in this? Right. But then you kind of balance absolutely that right. Kind of balance that out by saying, look, some people are better as founders and some people are better as doers. And so just having that in the back of your mind is always really important. So then mm-hmm. would you say it's for, for anyone listening to this, would it be important for you to take a look at your, your board and take a measure of like, do we have enough doers? Do we have enough um, emotional board members? Do we have enough behavioral board members and enough deploying board members? Right. And I think that that can kind of set the framework for your strategic plan is a strategic plan is going to be hard to execute if you don't have an involved board. Right. So what are what are some some actionable items that we'd be able to do to pursue um, board engagement, like the conversations you said, and and combining that with a strategic plan? Right. Because I I really want to hone in on on the relationship between the two, because they kind of. Mm-hmm. to go together. You know what I mean? Is the board writing th- this strategy plan or is it somebody that's not on the board, but more in an executive position or a managerial position? Like who's the one responsible for this strategic plan? Yeah. So that can change really based on the organization. One of the things that, that I like to advocate for is a planning team mm-hmm. so that it's not necessarily, you know, the board direct, the, uh, the president of the board's responsibility or the executive directors. So you get a, a team of, of people involved um, to help with the planning process. And, you know, there's, there's lots of different processes for strategic planning. We don't need to necessarily get into the myriad of different ways to plan today. But uh, when thinking about the, pl- the planning team, including members from different constituencies within the organization or uh, related to the organization, um, I've seen plan- good, really great planning teams where there were both internal and external stakeholders involved. So you had board members, you had operational team members, you had volunteers, you had strategic partners, you had service recipients, um, you had donors and supporters. So, you know, for example, there's a, a, what's called a tripartite board structure that is used by some organizations uh, where they have, uh, they, they have members who represent different constituencies to include 
those whom they serve. Yeah. So their, their clients or customers are actually included on the board by mandate so that they are involved in, in helping to frame how the organization goes and does what they do every day to include this planning process, which I think is really, really important because I find that too often organizations have this sort of top-down approach where uh, we know what people need, even though we aren't those people. Yeah. And so there's oftentimes this disconnect between uh, services and programs versus what is actually needed at ground level. Right. right? So um, having a, a planning team is, is really the point there. And thinking about what makes the most sense for your organization and creating, and creating that planning team so that you can then determine who is responsible for uh, creating the plan document but understanding that it's more than one person who actually creates the plan itself. Mm, yeah. It's the team. And so you, you would kind of say that by, by having this open communication, by following this, this insight, then people are able to eh, maybe better keep a pulse on, on this organization and, and what's going on. What, what is the, the vibe or the feeling or the environment that surrounds it just in terms of like the community and, and the, cult, the organization's culture. Right. Um, because like, like you said, top down authority isn't always what's needed. Right. Sometimes it needs to be mm -hmm. more led from the bottom and just in terms of uh, reviewing how operations should be handled. Right. And so. Right. These open communications, this board engagement, the strategic planning allows you to keep a pulse on your organization to ensure that you are in the position you need to be in for growth. Right. And so that these uncertain times of change aren't going to send you reeling or, or blindside you, right? And, and I think that this is some phenomenal insight. Now, are, are there any golden nuggets that you think are, are super important to drop that would be super beneficial for everyone? Uh, I really, I, I could I could go on on this topic for for a long time. Um, we all like so you know whether we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Whether we're talking about uh, um, board engagement or strategic planning, you know, I can differentiate there. Um, with engagement, uh, I, I would say that everything starts with when you bring new board members on. So ensuring that you've got a, a proper process in place to that, that you first understand who is the board member that you're looking for. So whether you use a tool such as a board profile matrix that discusses uh, demographics and skill sets experiences of the type of board member that you need or the types of board members that you need and using that as a planning tool to determine if you know who you're looking for, you can better determine where they live, work and play and put in a, uh, a plan to go and recruit them. Right. Yeah. If you're looking for anyone that can fog a mirror, then it, it doesn't really take much strategy to find those folks. Right. So being very discerning and who is going to be on your board, I think is absolutely crucial and not being afraid to let board members go to do that bless and release thing that just because they've been around or because they're somebody with, with name or, or stature in the community, you obviously want to find a, a professional way in which you let them go. Um, but sometimes people just aren't the best people for your board anymore yeah. and they've got to go. Right. Agreed. So uh, letting, letting those folks go. So finding great board members on the front end by knowing who it is you're looking for and having a process in place to where you know how to find them, how to source them, how to select them. So you've got a, 
a process to uh, interview them and do background checks and such. Uh, you're uh, uh, providing some onboarding, some initial training, some orientation, so you indoctrinate them into the culture of the organization. Mm-hmm. You pr- provide them any initial training they may need uh, on how to do things the organization's way within your within the organization, and then you know providing a, a series of of touch points where evaluations are given, uh, so that that feedback remains open at regular intervals. And I think the whole board needs to be evaluated on a regular interval as well, at least annually, um, if not more often. That's awesome. So um, as we kind of come to the closing of this discussion, is there any kind of resources um, that you know of, or maybe that you provide that would be helpful to any nonprofits listening or any organization that has a board? Yeah, so board source is a great is a great um, uh, source for board related uh, materials. Uh, so you can visit the board source website, and they've got a ton of great stuff there. You've got um, other organizations within your area. I would highly encourage networking and getting to know who else is operating within your space, mm-hmm. so that you can go from what is too often an adversarial relationship among organizations operating within the same space, because there's this feel that that there's this very limited amount of resource that you're all competing for. So moving from that uh, sort of cannibalistic adversarial mindset to how do we collaborate better and, right. and seeing how other organizations in your, in your physical area or in your sector are operating and some of the things that they're doing. Uh, so you've got that. And you oftentimes have nonprofit associations in your area mm-hmm. who have various resources that are available to you as well. So I would check your state. Um, you know, using search engines as well is another way to, to find resources. There's tons of great resources out there. But with the understanding that, uh, you know, for example, how we started our conversation today is consider the source. Consider the source where you're finding these resources mm-hmm. and determine if that's a trusted source or not. So be discerning yeah. in, in uh, determining whether that source is usable for you or not. That's awesome. Awesome. I love it. Okay, cool. Now. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. This was a wonderful conversation. Um, If someone wants to get in contact with you, um, they can text Jeremy to 888-357-4456. That's our summit number. Um, You can text the the word Jeremy, and uh, that will give you his contact info as as well as a couple of places that you can connect with him. Um, But Jeremy, are there any other places that we might be able to to contact you, whether that's social media or your website or, or things like that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, w- I would love to have conversations with folks who, who have questions. Um, not every, I, don't, I don't charge for everything I do. And this, is, this work is, is in large part, it, it's supposed to feel like ministry work because that's how I treat it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if someone has a quick question, I'm happy to, have, happy to answer. So our, our website is yourepicmission.com. Um, all of our social media handles are at yourepicmission.com. Uh, you can reach me at Jeremy at yourepicmission.com if you want to email directly. Um, and our, our phone number is 800-507-4048 uh, if anyone wants to reach out that way as well. That's awesome. Wonderful. I'm so glad we were able um, to get all of that, that information. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. 